Hi, Eric. Hi, Aaron. Okay, so welcome to season six. Season six. We kind of didn't end season five, like, officially. (laughs) (laughs) It just, you know, summer happened and travel happened, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, we went out strong, but we wanted to go out even stronger, but, you know. Yeah, it's just the way things go. Um, So we're just going to keep on keeping on and just start up a new season on time. And let's do it. um, We'll do some more of the um, of the chapters that we were covering last season. And we're going to do some other stuff that looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun Um, is what we're about. We pretty much do what we want here because we like it. (laughs) We we have uh, we have no venture capital that we are (laughs) beholden to so we can do whatever we want. That's right. (laughs) Including becoming a fan podcast of the Barbie movie. That's right. Just because Greta Gerwig had a lot of capital money didn't mean she didn't get to make exactly what she wanted. Um, so so that's what we are now. I think we're going to do 10 episodes. <laughs> you know, I think if I buckled down, I would have 10 episodes worth to say about Barbie. Um, I mean, I've only seen it twice so far, and I really wanted to watch it a third time before we recorded, but that wasn't in the cards. Okay. Um, I love the movie, though. Yeah, and I'm and very excited. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm very excited to talk about it. I thought it was incredible. So, um, so okay, so full spoiler warning on Barbie. We're going to talk about anything related to it, including potentially endings, introductions. Yeah, we have zero respect for your lack of knowledge. If you have a lack of knowledge, like here's here's some facts for you, Aaron. Yeah. Um, according to Warner Brothers. No movie in the studio's 100-year history has sold as many tickets as quickly as Barbie has. This past weekend, Barbie passed Dark Knight to be the highest-grossing Warner Brothers movie domestically in history. Wow. Uh, It's the first. uh, There's a lot of firsts. If you want to talk about, like, um, woman directors, there's a lot of firsts for Greta Gerwig in terms of how much money this movie has made. The movie is enormously successful and movies don't get this successful just by being good or just by being something people want. Movies are this successful when they tap into something deeper and they mean something to the people of that moment. Like Star Wars back in the 70s, it didn't um, become Star Wars because it was a good movie. It became Star Wars because it told us something true about people that we needed to hear at that moment. And that's why people still watch Star Wars today. In not all the movies have been as good as the first one. <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting perspective. Um, I feel like maybe we can do a Star Wars episode later in this. Oh season, yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. we'd have an occasional movie series this <laughs> season, perhaps. Anyway, I love the movie, Aaron. What did you think? It was amazing. Um, I left the theater fairly dumbstruck. I had I laughed. Um, I'm not an overt crier in movies, (laughs) but I came as close as I do. (laughs) I, I cry at movies. I cried a lot both times. I also, I I get real close to tearing up. I was reviewing some of our uh, articles that we might talk about during my staff meeting last hour. And I came close to crying just reading interviews because this movie really taps into something for me. And obviously for a lot of people. Okay. I think it taps into a few things. And that's what I that's what I really want to talk about and why I wanted to do an episode on it. But I think it's a great movie. I think it's the best movie of the year. And um I did see Oppenheimer. Um <laughs> and I and I loved Asteroid City, which I've also seen twice. And I thought Elemental was so much better than 
any of the advertising made you think it would be. Um, yeah, I think it's I've been a that. pretty good year for movies. Um, the new Star Spider-Man movie was great. Yeah. Um, I'm holding off on judgment till the third one comes out, but I thought it was very good. Mm-hmm. Good year for movies. And but Barbie's special, in my opinion. So tell me how we're going to be proceeding. Are we going to be talking solely from a Mormon perspective or more more general? No. About um, it, we will probably get much more Mormon than we will get anything else. Yeah. But I think that this movie is true religiously in a way that transcends any particular religion. Um, Greta Gerwig in, in interviews has talked about how her Catholic school upbringing explains this movie and how a, the reason biblical stories um, really resonate with her is because of her her Catholicism. Um, I don't know if she's Catholic today, but she grew up Catholic and went to Catholic school. And Lady Bird is about that, which is another great movie. She only makes yeah. good movies so far. Um, and so I really want to start maybe by going before Christianity, like to ancient cultic religions. Um, I was reading about the Eleusinians earlier, thinking I might use them as an example. I've decided against it, but I just, I want to drop the name anyway, because what I think Barbie is, um, essentially, this this is more modern. I'm going to use a more modern term, but I mean this in the ancient sense. Barbie is an endowment film. Barbie is an endowment-like ritual, and it taps into these deep needs that people have for ritualistic storytelling that tells us who we are and why we matter and what it's all for. Um, Barbie isn't just a cheap, um, you know, pink paint feminist veneer on some old fashioned kid makes good story. I think it's a lot more than that. I think this movie is at its core, a deeply religious movie in a way that an ancient Greek ritual might be, or an ancient Babylonian ritual might be, or any ancient ritual that takes people to meet God and then delivers them into the real world, which is what the endowment is, right? Like, I think one thing Latter-day Saints have that a lot of modern religions have lost is a direct tie into ritual that brings us into the presence of God and then sends us to the real world, which is one of the most ancient and important kinds of ritual that exists. It's part of what the restoration is about, is to give us the temple. And I think Barbie is tapping into that. I think ultimately Barbie is a temple film. That's that's my basic pitch. We'll talk about a lot of other things, but that's that's what my argument is. Oh, okay. This is great. This is one of those situations where I'm really glad we didn't um, talk about the details of what you were thinking before the podcast. Because I'm, <laughs> what did you I'm think blown I was away. Thinking? Um, well, I mean, there's so many um, kind of obvious ways that we could take the conversation, which I think are important, right, in terms mm-hmm. of its more secular meanings, right, sure. about cap- capitalism and, you know, women, women's relationship to um, power and things like that. And um, and all those things matter. All those things really matter. And the intense, intense frustration that drips from every moment of the movie (laughs) (laughs) right and i just and i just feel it so deeply i mean that's the thing that i felt so deeply watching this movie was just um just just the feeling of i don't even know how to describe it 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 was it it's all stuff that i knew but it was felt very deeply right 
Yes. There's the the best part of the movie, the part that got me the most is the monologue. The the monologue from Gloria played about by about the contrast uh, women have to deal with. Yeah, right? You have to do this and then you have to do this, right? That moment I think was the moment that could most easily have gone wrong. Okay. If, so hold that. Let's known... get the yeah. let's quote it first and then say what you're saying. Okay. So read us a, a few um a few a few stanzas from that sonnet. It starts as Margaret Robbie's Barbie is having um a breakdown and like and like losing she she doesn't know what her purpose is or what she's for. And America Ferra feels what she's feeling but in a way that's born of 40 years of experience on planet earth. And her monologue begins, it is literally impossible to be a woman. You're so beautiful, meaning Barbie, and brilliant. And it kills me that you think like that as if we must always be something special, but for some reason we always get it wrong. You need to be thin, but not too thin. And don't say you wanna be thin, but that you wanna be healthy. But at the same time, you have to be subtle. You must have money, but not ask for it because it's rude. You have to be bossy, but not mean. Lead without invalidating the ideas of others. Love being a mom, but don't talk about the kids all the time. Care about your career, but also care about others. Accountable for men's bad behavior, but if you bring it up, they tell you that you're complaining. Be beautiful to men, but without tempting them or threatening other women because you have to show solidarity, but always stand out and always be grateful. Don't forget the system is rigged. So fine. It goes on. Um, it's really it hard on. to stop reading it because it has yeah. momentum. Yeah. So but what I was trying to say is that this is the part that got me, right? This is the part that made me the most emotional that made me it like I could just it just it just was feeling I can't imagine that there was a dry eye in the room when she was performing this and every time they went so they used this to kind of like deprogram some other Barbies every yeah. time they came they cut back to this with a new Barbie I was like yeah. okay they're just going to um reuse the same awesome segment that they had before no they had no. more stuff it was different every time. The list kept getting longer. Yeah. Be their mom, but don't remind them of theirs. <laughs> right. Gets added later, which <laughs> that, that one probably cuts a little deep. And we all that realize that we have really a problem. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to imagine there, there's another there's another moment where the, the teenage girl attacks Barbie where um, the executives at Mattel were like, this has to change. And they flew into the set and they they were like, we're going to get this rewritten today. And then Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie read it for them. And they changed their mind immediately. Like, we were wrong. Like, this has yeah. to be in the movie. And the reason was because when you see stuff on the page, um, or if you listen to me read it, it's it's just not the same, right? But when when you spit vitriol, when you call... Barbie a fascist to her face and you see Margot Robbie's face melt. Yeah. <laughs> like um, <laughs> at least to one of my favorite jokes in the movie, but like I'm getting emotional talking about it. Like when excellent performers bring these words to life, it works. Like this, if if I had read this script, I think that America Ferreira's monologue is the part I would have said, like, this isn't going to work. This is going to fall flat. This is this is going to be so over the top and like it's going to be embarrassing to watch this. But she does it so well. And and the truth of it cannot be ignored. Um, I know that there are some people online who are will happily tell you that this part of the movie is is like anti-man or whatever, but and that that ruined the movie for them. But I just totally disagree. I think it's mm -hmm. honest and it's true, and the performance is so pure that it works. 
it worked the second time I watched it. I expect it to work the third and fourth times I watch it. I expect to see this movie again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, likewise. Um, yeah, so that was the part that was the most, that was what, I mean, but just this moment after moment like that, really, throughout the movie, that was the, the climax for me, but it was so good. Um, the other, of course, amazing moment for me was Ken's song. Um, <laughs> and um, me, for me, there's parts of, and so there's good reasons why. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the um, the male um, messages in this movie, even though they're mm -hmm. amazing. Um, but I'm a theater nerd uh, under under the hood. Um, I did theater in college. And as soon as they started singing and dancing um, as the final number for Ken, I was like, yes, this is what I've been wanting. Give me more of this. Keep this going as long as you want. This number can't last long enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, it's really made good. it to the Hot 100. Oh, Sometimes. it has? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So there's some just some kind of introductory comments. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the this is the what I thought would be kind of the main message to take away. I didn't get any of the religious overtones that you're describing. Okay. So first, let me not put a value statement on that. I think that's just fine. Okay. So I'm real. I'm really curious um, what to, to hear more about Barbie as an endowment movie from you and. Um, just ask you, is it something that you realize during the movie or after the movie? And what specific meaning do you are you using the word endowment? Yeah, let me um answer that question indirectly. I will eventually get to a direct answer, but let me let me wander around a little bit. Um, first, I have to say that after watching the movie the first time and kind of through the current moment, I have spent so many hours reading interviews and think pieces and articles about Barbie. Um, so many. Um, I don't know that I've been a, this obsessed about a movie since maybe Napoleon Dynamite. It's been a long time since I've spent this much time thinking about a movie. And there was not nearly as much written about Napoleon Dynamite back in 2003, 4, 2004. Um, so it's been a while. And one thing that keeps coming up in a lot of these articles is people talk about the movie as existentialist. And I just want to say that I think people who say Barbie is is existentialist are wrong. I understand why they say it. And Barbie shares a lot in common with existentialism, this idea that like, you know, do we do we even exist? Is it worth it? Like, what's the point? Like, is there some concept that will destroy us all or whatever? Like, like, no, that's, I mean, those are kind of shallow explanations of existentialism, but I don't think that's what's happening here. But I think what's happened is that as a culture, we don't have the religious vocabulary anymore to talk about what Barbie is actually doing. And what it's actually doing is it's it's providing us a connection to the divine, which is a really heavy thing to say for a fun summer blockbuster. Um, but I, I think art can do that. That's one of the reasons I believe in art, and I think it's important, and I think the more Latter-day Saints should be making art. But now let's get to your answer to your question. Like, why is this an endowment movie and what do i mean by that first of all so essentially what i mean by endowment is and by the way i'm gonna i am not a religious scholar i'm not a theologian but i'm going to attempt to use some um terminology which uh is gonna comes from those fields and might seem negative like i'm gonna warn you right now i'm gonna use the word cultic and 
I mean it, but but I don't mean that uh, people who like Barbie are going to go drink Kool-Aid in the forest. That's that's not what I mean. So, but what's happening with Barbie is that it is telling. Let let's just let's let's get Latter Day Saint for a second and and compare it to the endowment, which is based on the Garden of Eden story. You have um, a time before and you have a time after, and the characters pass through. And, and so the movie begins with the 2001 homage. And there was a time before Barbie, before Barbie existed. And then there's the time Barbie exists. And it seems like that's kind of the fruition, right? Like all the problems in the world have been solved, or at least that's what the Barbies think. And then we cut to Barbie land where everything is perfect, but that's not reality. The Barbies live in a Garden of Eden-like state. They live in a pre-mortal paradise. And eventually um, senses of imperfection creep their way in and you get to a point where barbie has to make a choice uh let me let me quote it oh she does doesn't she yeah okay so she goes to see weird barbie to try to figure out what's happening and weird barbie explains that there's this rift between reality and barbie world and she says you have to help her to be helped so what do you choose the old life and forget it all or the truth about the universe and because this is a comedy barbie chooses wrong and therefore weird barbie gets to say uh that she's disappointed and no you will choose this you will choose the birkenstock you will choose going to the real world you will choose getting knowledge and then she says i gave you a choice so you could have a sense of control this is a very mormon doctrine right we mm -hmm. believe that the fruit was there so we could choose it and Garden of Eden was just going to continue until we finally made the quote wrong choice and agree to accept knowledge and travel into mortality and begin our experience of um, fixing things, which the only way we can fix stuff is to discover how the world is broken. And that's what Barbie does. She then travels to the real world. This is this is very classic cultic stuff. Um, I, again, I'm not an expert on this, th these things, but if you look at ancient religions, there are so many rituals where people pass into darkness in order to come to light and barbie finally reaches more i'm going to skip a lot of stuff barbie finally reaches mortality which is her goal at the end of the movie where she meets um god she meets ruth handler who is essentially playing the role of god in this movie and she too gives barbie a choice but at this time barbie's learned enough that she wants to accept imperfection she wants to accept failure she wants to accept a physical body and which is welcome back to the physical body in just a second. And she does so. She makes that choice. It fades to white. There's the um the series of sequence, the the of images from all the people who worked on the movie from their ch childhood home movies. And then she's a human being after that. And the final line of the movie, which I think is very funny and the perfect way to end the movie, but it's also it is it's the rubber stamp on everything I've just said, because you'll remember earlier in the movie. She's like, you know, I don't have genitals. And, but now here she is, like she has genitals and the genitals are a symbol that she has accepted mortality and all the weird stuff that comes with it. She has a human body. She's now fully human. She has entered the real world. She's passed from uh, perfection. She's met God. She's entered mortality. She's ready to begin her true journey and discover what her actual ending is. She's traveled a very classic um journey uh to mortality this is this is what cultic ritual has and it tells you 
Barbie the movie tells you the same way that the endowment film tells you or the way any ancient Celtic or cultic ritual would tell you that it is okay to be human. Like um, you have, the gods have sent you here to be this, and this is what you were here for. And you're going to find fulfillment through this life. And eventually you're going to die. And that's, that's the journey we're all on. That's what Barbie's about. Um. Wow. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I just didn't. I mean, I was <laughs> I'm, maybe I wasn't looking too looking hard enough. Um, <laughs> well, you've only seen it once, Aaron. Don't beat yourself up. OK. <laughs> it's a really fun movie. If you just go in and have a really good time, I think you've experienced the movie correctly. Yeah. Uh, and and if you go in and you see like all the really wise slash hilarious things that are said about patriarchy or capitalism or other whatever systems that our real world has, like I think you've experienced the movie correctly. I'm not, I, I don't mean to denigrate any other way to see the movie, but I think this is why the movie is as big as it is. Yes, it's sort of like Black Panther for women. It's it's a movie for women by women, and it's like reaching people in a way that they're usually ignored by Hollywood. That's true. It's also just a really good movie. Even before I thought this would be a great movie, I was excited to see it because I just love Greta Gerwig. Um, my wife is actually annoyed by how great I think Greta Gerwig is. And so I just thought it was going to be a good movie. Like there's this movie has so much going for it, but you don't become, well, I mean, it's looking like it's going to be one of the top grossing films of all time. You don't become that unless you're telling people something about themselves that they need to hear. I, I really believe that's true. And I suppose it's debatable whether that's really true of, I don't know, The Godfather or something. But I really think that the movies that are the biggest movies of all time, it's because they say something about us that we need to hear. And that essentially is a role religion it should be playing, but it doesn't for a lot of people. And so um, a movie like this can tell us true things and we can feel the truth in them. Uh, whether we have the vocabulary to describe what's happening or not, which I think all the people calling the movie existential just don't have the vocabulary to see what's 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 really there. Well, I wanted to ask you more about as a exist existential. Um, can you just define what you mean by that really quick? Uh, yeah, let me get a dictionary definition because I am really bad at summarizing philosophical concepts on the fly, and I didn't. Um, Okay, here's what Wikipedia says. First paragraph. Existentialism is a form of philosophical inquiry that explores the issue of human existence. So far, so good. Existentialist philosophers explore questions related to the meaning, purpose, and value of human existence. Common conceits in existentialist thought include existential crisis, dread, anxiety in the face of an absurd world, as well as authenticity, courage, and virtue. Now, uh, and then it goes on to talk about like Nietzsche and Kierkegaard and Sartre and Camus and other people. But I think, again, like philosophers are going to hate everything that I say in this episode. Uh, th that's the first time I've said that. Previously, it was theologians. Philosophers are also going to hate everything I say. But I think essentially what existentialism is, the way people use it today, I think what most people mean by it, the pop meaning of existentialism is the world is crazy, nothing makes sense, nothing matters, and we're coming to grips with that. Um, and you could read Barbie that way, but I just don't think that's what the movie's saying. I don't think the conclusion of the movie really leads to that. To that. Like, if it had ended with a whiteout and she just didn't exist anymore, well, maybe it's existentialist. Like, she met Ruth and she's like, you don't have to be a doll. All right, you don't exist anymore. That would be existentialist. But no, you don't have to be a doll. Your life can have meaning. You can have a family. You can have a heritage. You can have 
uh, the opportunity to have and use a human body, and that will provide you a path to an ending of your own creation. I don't think that's existentialist. I think that is, um, I think that's, that that really covers what Latter-day Saints think we offer to the rest of Christianity is the sense that your body matters. That's that's one of the most important things that we bring back to the conversation. And I think Barbie's saying the same thing. Well, I'm very interested in this. Um, so th that makes sense, what you're saying about existentialism. I can buy that. Um, about the endowment itself, right? Yeah. I want to talk more about this because I think it's an, a fundamental point to your argument, right? The endowment that we have is not just a trip through Eden, right? No. Right. It, it starts does... before and it goes beyond. Yeah. I'm wanting to line up this parallel even more carefully. Maybe I shouldn't be. <laughs> well, like all metaphors, as Boyd K. Packer once wrote, if you push it too far, it'll break apart. Uh -huh. But I think we can push it further than we have. So go right ahead. Okay, so what I'm looking at is the various stages of the endowment, right? Where there's um, the 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 story, and then there's kind of the instruction, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is the story in the movie, and what is the instruction? You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, Barbie doesn't have ordinances or at least mm -hmm. at least we don't have like the audience doesn't have ordinances right it's really just experiential we don't actually um we don't actually like uh like some some ancient religion we don't have to like drink wine and um and watch the an a, a ritual murder we don't have to do any of that sort of stuff right like um it's not it's not crazy like that it's not even as as um physical as like our endowment as Latter-day Saints, which involves, um, you know, tokens and signs, which we don't talk about outside the temple uh, to their sacred nature. But what it does do is it does everything else. It, it lets you observe the character's journey. And she does take some instruction, right? What's interesting about the instruction and um, the article I shared with you from The Atlantic uh, about it's it's called what Barbie understands about mother daughter relationships by Suzanne Garfinkel Crowell, who's a child psychologist, and it talks about how um, Ruth Handler is a kind of a problematic mother in a way because no real mother can just love their daughter as much as this, and no real daughter can be um, as uh, like this relationship is impossible, but it is something to aspire to the relationship ruth and barbie have and i think the problem with saying it's it's too perfect is that what how is these are not normal people right you have a doll who's choosing mortality you have a woman whose ghost has an office on the 17th floor of the mattel office building these are not people these are something different from people and they're types and so just like adam and eve are not actually, like when I go to the temple, I'm not actually Adam, it's all symbolic. But Barbie in the same way is symbolic of people, but she can do that because she's not actually people. Um, well, actually, I, let me just drill on, on yeah, that yeah, point go ahead. for a second. You mentioned that you're not Adam, right? Right. And at the risk of talking too much about the temple, you do kind of take on the role. Yes. Right? 
of Adam or of um let's see do you take on the role of see I want to make let's just talk here meta meta okay. talk here is it do you think it's okay to say something like that yes I mean the only thing we covenant not to talk about are the tokens and signs everything else is fair game although I think reverence should be employed okay yeah so for example we um at various points in the endowment we behave as if we are adam learning specific things right right or eve and, not me or you but other people are eve yeah it's a great point um um and in fact uh yes you're 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 100 right um as you take on the role of this person it's very <laughs> i mean if you're arguing that barbie is an endowment that's my basic argument yeah i think as the viewer you take on the role of barbie I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I think the movie is way more generous for what, like, like commercially, for its commercial existence. It's way more generous to the men in the movie, to the Ken specifically, than it needs to be. And um, because of the nature of the humor and everything, uh, there's not as much resolve for the Kens. But because of that, like, we are all Barbie. Um, you could choose to be Ken. Like, I think you could go to the movie and see yourself as Ken, but I think that's a less likely experience. Um, here's here's a quotation from Greta Gerwig. I'll just throw in real quick, and then we'll continue with what you were saying. Barbie was invented first, she says. Ken was invented after Barbie to burnish Barbie's position in our eyes and in the world. That kind of creation myth is the opposite of the creation myth in Genesis. Yeah, this is the part that I thought was, I want to say it's the level zero reason to see barbie okay mm -hmm. like it's it's the fundamental not the most basic or the least important but the fundamental reason is to roll reversal right for yeah. for us for us dudes right yeah there's a tradition in mormon lit um the pink moccasins by carolyn pearson the meeting by eloise bell um the day they gave women the priesthood by michael filler up um and there's a couple that um, instead of doing it with gender, do it with with like queer identity. But there's a tradition in Mormon literature of like, what if the women had the priesthood, essentially? I mean, I'm oversimplifying what because they're all doing different things, but essentially that's it. What if women had the priesthood and men didn't? Um, how would things be different? And the purpose of something like the pink moccasins is really just to say, hey, man, like, see, pay attention. Like, don't imagine how this would feel. And something like the meeting is to like the same thing, only with a laugh. Um, Michael Phillips' version is way longer than both those two put together, so it it has a bit more nuance. Uh, but that's I don't want to I want to be clear. It doesn't have more nuance because he's a man. It has more nuance because like hundred pages longer. <laughs> but <laughs> but this is there's a tradition of this in in Mormon literature because we are cognizant of the disparity and the the changes to the endowment over the last ten years have largely dealt with this question of like um perceived disparities and there's a lot of different ways oh we we should do an episode on creation that might be a fun episode because i have a lot to say um about the different creation stories in genesis that, that could be fun but but let's just suffice it to say there's different ways to read genesis and genesis has two different creation stories for how people are created and then of course we have moses and we have abraham and we have the endowment um which is an evolving thing over time and so um, there's just a lot of ways to think about this role reversal. And I think you're right that Barbie does it and it does it so well because it's such an exquisite piece of entertainment. 
um, this is not a knock on the endowment film, but it is not an exquisite piece of entertainment. Uh, uh -huh. Barbie is. And so unless you have your hackles up, you're like an alt-right uh, doustral who spends all your time looking for ways to be offended. Like if you're willing to go into the movie and surrender to the movie, you're going to have an amazing experience as a man in which you get to experience this kind of role reversal. And, um, oh, hey, this is this is a weird time to do it. Can we plug being a member of the Dialogue Podcast Network real quick? Yeah, I have a of reason. course. Okay. We're a proud member. Yeah, proud members of the Dialogue Podcast Network. Um, so I'm going to be on the next episode of the Dialogue Book Report, which is also a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network. It's part of the main uh, podcast. And the reason I'm on it, I didn't even realize this until we were like uh, already started the episode, but I'm on it to promote my book. I have a book coming out, Aaron. It's called ah. Just Julie's Fine. It's great. You'll love it. Uh, listen to the other podcast. But the reason I wanted to bring it up right now is, um, I, and I, I don't know how typical this is, based on conversations with other people, I think I think. I'm sort of maybe an outlier in my interest here, but just ultimately I'm one of the things art does and literature is particularly good at this is provide the opportunity to experience other people's experiences and their lives and, and develop empathy for people other than yourselves. And my whole life, I've just been really deeply interested in women's stories. Um, my new novel is mostly from women's perspectives. Um, when I was growing up, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Was an incredibly important book to me, which I read many, many times as I tried to understand girls. Um, I remember in '99, I was in a car with a girl, and I put in a CD I thought she should hear, and she's like, "Ah, you only ever play women." I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's right." <laughs> um, I, I listen to way more women's music than men's music, which is why radio is intolerable to me because it's all men. Um, but, but I, I just. I'm deeply interested in this. And I think that's what I love about Barbie is it does it so well. It makes it so easy for me to um, understand women. And and I think one of the things that's succeeding in that is doing that for a lot of people who are a little less obsessed with the question than I am. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it's, I don't know how to describe it. I like, I've been over the last week and a half that I, since I've seen the movie, right? I've been searching for ways to describe how I relate to it. And it's been fruitless. Like, I I simultaneously feel like an imposter talking about this movie, right? And a welcome member of the family talking about the movie, right? Um, I feel like an imposter talking about it because I'm not a woman, <laughs> right? And um, look, I'm no. I'm no stranger to feeling like an imposter. This is nothing. This is this is nothing to, new to me. I mean, how many different conference talks have I given to scientists, right? Where I've just felt like the youngest person in the room. Um, so that so it's fine. I, I didn't want to not talk about it because of that, right? But I also felt like just genuinely welcomed by the movie through the whole the whole the whole um role reversal thing like that the movie dripped with frost frustration like i described right yeah but it also presented a manageable way forward right yeah <laughs> it's an incredibly generous movie i think like how could how could the movie be simultaneously so frustrated right and so warm right and so 
to be both screaming for change, right? And be utterly non-condemning. That's how I saw it. Well, I don't know if this is a righteous comparison to make, but um, I think that's what, I think that's, I think you've just thematically described what Face and Hat is trying to be. <laughs> sure, like, why not? We're, we're <laughs> not trying to lie and say things are better than they are or different than they are, but yeah. we're trying to come from a position of love and generosity and kindness and um, openness uh, that is welcoming. And I, it's hard to say how successful we are for sure. Um, we yeah. do not do, um, we have not hired any PR firms to run surveys of our listeners. That's right. But that's, I think that's a pretty good description of what our goal is. I mean, I want to do a deep dive on Mormon interaction with women and priesthood and all that kind of stuff like that. But I've never felt really comfortable <laughs> we've been pretty it. hesitant yeah because <laughs> talk about something that's so easy to get wrong yeah and uh we can't escape the fact that we're we're the truest podcast uh cliche of a couple of white heteronormative dudes talking yeah. to each other but <laughs> sometimes about stuff that's none of our business <laughs> right and it was a genuine concern to me when we started recording today like what are what are we even doing? But I I couldn't not talk about it, right? Yeah. It was, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe this is a good time for me also to plug my my friend Rachel Rukart was on Mormonland recently, which I I think is hosted by uh, Peggy Fletcher Stack, friend of the ward, friend of Berkeley Ward. But uh, I think from the blurb that introduced her appearance on the show that. Uh, she, they're talking about many of the same things we are. I'd really like to encourage people to seek that out also. It'll be in the show notes. Um, but this conversation is ongoing. It is. Okay, um, other random stuff. I've been listening to um, Parks and Recollection, which is a podcast about uh, the show Parks and Recreation, oh. right? Sounds and fun. Jim, Jim O'Hare is, is one of the hosts. He's the guy that played Jerry on the show. Uh, and at the end Gary. of every, at the end, <laughs> he's just so funny. Larry. At the end of every episode, he they do um, crap they didn't get to. Ah. <laughs> so what did we what did we not get to? Okay, well, can I go back real quick to this um, idea that Barbie and Ruth aren't real people, but that one is God and one is a symbol. Um, okay. I have this thing I really want to read by um, an acquaintance of mine, and I just realized that I'm not sure how to pronounce first name, Aisling or Aisling Rowan. This is from the new book, Birds to Bones, published by BCC Press. This bit was posted on their Instagram page, BCC Press's Instagram page. There'll be a link to it, but I'd just like to read it to you because I think it captures really well what our religious tradition can offer and often doesn't that Barbie is offering in that moment. She sniffles, then wipes her nose with the back of her hand before before folding up the rest of a gossamer sheet. Mom, I whine, I'll be fine. There'll be birds and dogs. It's going to be so much fun. I know, she says with a soft smile. It doesn't quite reach her eyes because all she can think about is how much I will miss her. I know your family and friends will care for you well. Already, she can see the faces of the many mentors, givers, and receivers who will cross my path as I forge my way through a mortal journey. 
but can they listen and speak in my language the way she does intuitively? Will they nurture and nourish me to her exacting standard? She puffs out a low breath at that thought because while she won't say it out loud, this is exactly why she's glad to be getting a break from me. She needs some time to just lay in the quiet and be herself again. And I can talk to you all the time, I add, running eager circles around her. Whenever you want, she affirms with a measured tone, knowing that I will forget to check in for days or weeks or months at a time, knowing that she will be completely lost to my view for the first quarter century of my life. A dark shadow clouds her expression. When I pummel into her from the side and throw my arms around her, she lets out a little startled shriek and then breaks into an earnest grin. Her entire figure relaxes and descends to wrap tight around me as I nuzzle into the frizzy curls of her hair and breathe in deeply. She smells like home. Her gentle laughter enfolds me from all around. I love the hearty sound of her joy. She tells me, oh, I will miss you so, and cups the curve of my cheek. I'll miss you too, mama, I say earnestly, beaming up into her eyes. Then, a heartbeat later, I'm hurtling away again. She smiles again at that. Then, inhaling deeply, she snaps my luggage shut and trails her fingers deftly along the canvas surface. At last, she hefts the bag up off the bed and walks out of the room to find me. Are you ready? She asks, realizing that the question is more for her benefit than for mine. Let's go, I yelp, and her heart swells while breaking just a little bit more. That's called Heavenly Mother's packing a suitcase. Um. Um, I mean, I have kids about this age right now, so <laughs> you want to get me going. This is how to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Aaron, as, as a close, um, I didn't prepare you for this, but I, I'm curious if there's a moment you look back on as just the funniest moment of the movie. Oh, okay. Great question. Um, the thing that actually got me laughing the most. I mean, I think the last line as you mentioned before, I'm here to see my guy, my gynecologist. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one really got me. That's, that's great. <laughs> um, Be beach Ken was also fantastic. My job yes. is the beach. Um, <laughs> all, every, pretty much everything that Michael Sarah did as Alan was fabulous. I'm always um, happy to see Michael Sarah. My wife uh, commented how she appreciated that um will ferrell wasn't an evil boss right he was almost like they, sorry sorry go ahead go ahead well they, she speculated that um they used will ferrell specifically so that they could have a corporate overlord that was not intimidating or scary because that wasn't the tone of the movie yeah um i don't also he played an important role in the other great toy movie lego movie yeah that's right um and he also played a role in a movie that shares some really interesting similarities between these two movies with the real uh the built on set cartoon backgrounds and the journey like this could be buddy the elf after the veil has passed over his face and he's forgotten who he is this could be <laughs> oh, what he grows great. up to be <laughs> thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this little uh uh conspiracy theory like theory of mine about the two movies <laughs> um, how else can you understand how to get to barbie land so well i couldn't believe that those were practical sets like i've seen yeah, some pictures so of happy. them being filmed that was so cool i i just love so much that that happened um and i love that the two movies the whole barbenheimer thing both of them are i mean there's zero computer generated imagery in oppenheimer and very very little in barbie mostly like wire erasure and stuff i just love that 
two of the biggest movies of the summer that showed up at the same time. They were also practical. I just, I love that. I hope we see some more of that. We probably won't, but I hope we do. Funniest moment for you? Oh, it's really hard to choose. I think, I think the last line in the movie after the first viewing was the one I kept coming back to. But I think what's funniest to me is just the physicality of the movie. I, I think both the most emotional moments and the funniest moments are often just Margot Robbie moving or Ken just moving in such small ways. Like Ryan Gosling is very funny. Like he's embodied the character so well that a dumb thing like glancing at his bicep is really yeah. funny. Just so I, I love the physicality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Huzzah. Well, thanks for thanks for coming along with us, listeners, for a trip through Barbie. Um, if you ha- haven't seen it and you still want to after us having spoiled it, then you totally should. It's fantastic. Hey, Aaron, yeah? you're a scientist. You should know that science has shown pretty consistently that having things spoiled makes your experience more enjoyable. That's right. <laughs> so, so now you're going to like it more than if you hadn't listened to us first. That's um, science. Uh, join our discord server and talk to us about barbie um we'd like to thank uh daniel foster smith for our music and uh we love being part of dialogue so i think that's it yeah faceandhat.com that's right (laughs) thanks thanks eric all right bye